Well, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 10 as uh, we continue our series in the life and the teachings of Jesus and uh, allow our lives to be changed like the disciples' lives uh, were changed. You know, traveling uh, used to be a fairly easy thing uh, when you're going on an airplane, but now you have to make sure that everything is in order and don't forget your mask and all this other stuff. Um, This past year, I heard of a lady from back east who wanted to go to Hawaii and um, she had not been vaccinated. She went on the plane. She presented when she arrived in Hawaii a false vaccination card. Uh, Their first clue that it was false is that she had misspelled Moderna. (laughs) And... um, and they could not find her registered in any hotel or anything. And, and so they went on her social media and found out, figured out where she was staying. They uh, arrested her for presenting false documents. She, had to, she didn't want to quarantine for 10 days. And so um, she uh, uh, was arrested and had to pay a $2,000 fine and was sent back home. Um, well, just like there are fake documents... Uh, there's also fake faith. And there's genuine faith. Obviously, we're here this morning because we want to have genuine faith. And we encounter in Mark chapter 10, at the very last verses that we're going to look at this morning, someone who had genuine faith. His name was Bartimaeus. And uh, we're going to look at his life. So at the top of the outline, you have this, the healing of blind Bartimaeus is the last healing miracle recorded in Mark. Uh, We've said before that Mark chapters 8 through 10 are about discipleship. And so we could also call these verses this on the road to Jerusalem section of Mark. And this section begins and ends with the healing of a blind man. It's like these two healings are the bookends of this section. And from this point on, the focus of Mark's gospel is the theme of servanthood and sacrifice as Jesus moves rather quickly from this point to the cross. So let's read our passage, Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 46. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man. Hey, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus 
along the road. This is God's word to us this morning. You know, in the first century, most occupations uh, required a lot of physical labor. And so if you had any kind of crippling disease, if you had any kind of disability, you were at an extreme disadvantage. And the only way that you could earn a living would be to beg. And so it was a common sight in almost every city to see beggars. Uh, Remember that Mark is writing to those who are not Jewish. Uh, They generally aren't aware of Hebrew customs and, and the Hebrew ancestry, Hebrew names. That's why Mark has this explanation of what Bartimaeus means. Uh, Because any Jewish person, any Hebrew speaker reading this account would know immediately that Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. Uh, This blind man and, and what he says stands in bold contrast to what the disciples were asking. Remember, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, would you do something for us? Do us a favor. And he said, what do you mean to do for you? He asked the same question. But what, the way Bartimaeus responds is way different than the disciples responded. Uh, they were squabbling about themselves having a certain rank. They wanted to sit at Jesus' right and Jesus' left in the kingdom of God. Um, in Hebrew society, the man who was the lowest of the low and the, had the lowest social position was a beggar. And that was Bartimaeus. And it seems to me that in these verses, Jesus uh, is reminding us, Mark wants to remind us one more time who Jesus really is. And so ultimately, it's not Bartimaeus who is the main focus of this passage. It's Jesus. And so the first thing we see, and this is number one on your outline, is that Bartimaeus calls on Jesus. Uh, Mark introduces the situation. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. So they they are getting ready to leave Jericho. Jesus is accompanied by a large crowd, his disciples following him, which was a normal thing to happen, but also a lot of other pilgrims making their way to Jerusalem for the Passover. Uh, This wasn't unusual because rabbis would generally walk and they would teach as they walked uh, to their disciples, their entourage. Uh, On top of it, most people by this time had heard of Jesus. Uh, One commentator compared him walking through Jericho to an ovation. A lot of people were shouting their hosannas. Uh, Sure, there were some people who were uh, hostile, but most people were yelling their hosannas to Jesus. So in reaching Jerusalem, uh, that would be the end of Jesus' earthly journey. Uh, But he would perform one final healing miracle on his way there. Uh, And this is on your outline. Through this miracle, Jesus teaches what his power, uh, what brings his power to our greatest needs. In other words, it's not not power we have in ourselves. It's power that comes from the Holy Spirit who lives in us uh, as we submit ourselves to him, as we obey him. I'm guessing the day started as a pretty normal day for Bartimaeus. 
He, he found his position. He knew his way to the main gate and sat there like every other day before. And then he hears all this rustling going on. And, and he probably, I can imagine him grabbing somebody's robe as they walk by and said, uh, what's going on? And the man takes his robe back and says, leave me alone. Jesus is coming. Haven't you heard of Jesus? And so they were pretty excited about what was happening here. Uh, if, if he had to be reminded, Bartimaeus would have been told that this is the man who's known for healing people, making the lame walk, making the blind see. And Bartimaeus is thinking, what? This is my one opportunity to be able to talk to Jesus. And so look at verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Maybe it was impossible with all the people for him to get to his feet, but he was yelling at the top of his lungs. He wanted to get Jesus' attention. And look at verse 48. Many, it says, rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And as a beggar, Bartimaeus needed the approval of the people in his community. He depended on them for money, to give him money. So when they told him to be quiet, he should have been quiet. He should have responded to that. But he was willing to give that up for Jesus, to get Jesus' attention. So think about this. He's risking his life and his livelihood to talk with Jesus, just to shout out loud that Jesus is the son of David. And all this goes by so fast, I think it's easy to miss it here. And this is, this is probably what made uh, blind Bart shout even louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus was beyond the control of these people that were around him. And I want us to think for a little bit about what it is that Bartimaeus was saying because it's very significant. Uh, the first thing he says, and this is on your outline, is have mercy on me. He was very aware of his condition. Bartimaeus was very aware of his own condition. We don't know if this man, was, if Bartimaeus was blind from birth or if he, was, uh, if he became blind as an adult, but he, we do know that blindness is an ever-present challenge for us. Uh, and Jesus made him recognize uh, that his problem wasn't just being blind physically, but it was a spiritual blindness as well. Bartimaeus was constantly reminded of his own limitations. You know, there's an Auschwitz sur survivor, uh, Yael Denur, who was one of the main uh, witnesses at the Nuremberg trials. And uh, he was a witness against Adolf Eichmann, a name that many of us would know from history as being uh, Adolf Hitler's right-hand man who sent uh, maybe millions to their death. And Denur, when he walked into the courtroom, came face to face with Eichmann for the first time in 20 years since he had been in Auschwitz. And Denur stopped right in front of Eichmann and he began to sob uncontrollably. And when he was asked about this later and while he was sobbing, the you know, people were rustling in the crowd and the, the, the judge was pounding his gavel and calling for order in the courtroom. 
And uh, someone asked him, were you overcome with hatred? Were you, were you overcome with fear? Were you overcome with all these horrid memories? And Danur said, no, it was none of these. And, and, and here's what he said. He said, I realized all at once that Eichmann was not the godlike army officer who had sent so many to their deaths. Eichmann was just an ordinary man. I was afraid for myself, Danur said. That's why I sobbed. I saw that I could be capable of the exact same thing that Eichmann did because I'm exactly like him. And here's the truth. The truth is that Eichmann is in all of us. That's a horrifying thing to even think about. But really that captures the central truth of man's nature that we are by nature sinners. As a result of the fall, and this is on your outline, sin is in each of us. And not just being susceptible to sin, but sin itself. Romans 6.23 is on your outline. Let's read it out loud together. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we truly confront sin within us, it can be a devastating experience. And yet that is what brings the grace of God into our lives. Uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky was arrested and was thrown in the gulag in Russia uh, because of, uh, being, uh, of speaking out against the government. And the czar at the time loved to play cruel psychological tricks on people who had been arrested for anti-government activity. And so they, he would blindfold them and, uh, and then have the firing squad shoot right above their heads. And when they realized that they weren't dead, they had, that they were fully alive. Well, this, this happened to, to Dostoevsky. And, and, and he said that um, he didn't know that he was going to live. He thought he was going to die. And so he, he talks about waking up, believing that, that that day would be his last day on this earth. And he savored every bite of his final meal. And he studied every face with an intensity that he had never had before. Every experience he had was etched in his mind. Everything seemed magical to him, he said. He, he said it was, it was like I was just fully alive for the first time. And then when he realized that he hadn't died, that they, the firing squad had shot above his head, he said everything changed for me about my life. He became thankful, he said, for everything. Grateful for people that he had hated before. And this experience, he said, convinced him to become a writer in a way that he had never written before and could never have even imagined himself writing. And as Christians, we ought to be fully alive every day. Why? Because we know that we're doomed without Christ. That our sin, that the wages of sin, what we've earned from our sin is death. It's separation, eternal separation from God. 
At some point in our lives, we understood that sin because that's what opened us up to eternal life. But God is the one who gave us eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but, and that's the best conjunction in the whole Bible right there, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is the one who bridged the gap between us and between himself. And so we ought to be fully alive because we're alive eternally and we're alive abundantly. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. That's why Jesus gave us this beatitude in Matthew 5, 4 that you have on the outline. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. When we mourn over our sin, we will be comforted by the comfort that God gives us only through Jesus and him making a way for us to see God. Some of us will know the name Charles Colson. He was known as President Nixon's hatchet man and was one of those who went to prison because of a, a scandal called Watergate. And uh, when he was in prison, Chuck Colson, actually before he went to prison, Chuck Colson came to faith in Christ. You want to read a phenomenal biography? Uh, I think we had this on the list that we, I sent out last week. The, the biography, Born Again, on the life of Chuck Colson, was a page turner for me. I couldn't put it down. But Colson says this. It's on your outline, the quote. That night when I sat alone at my car, my own sin... Not just dirty politics, but the hatred and evil so deep within me was thrust before my eyes forcefully and painfully. For the first time in my life, I felt unclean. And worst of all, I could not escape. In those moments of clarity, I found myself driven irresistibly into the arms of the living God. Wow. I hope that all of you know that experience. And if you don't know that life in Christ, that you uh, receive that life in Christ. Jesus, son of David. That's the next thing. The next insight we see is into the person of Christ. You've got that on your outline. We see insight into the person of Christ. This is what he kept repeating. Son of David is a clear messianic title. And this is the only place in Mark that this term is used for, for Jesus, son of David, except for a couple of chapters later when Jesus uses it of himself. Old blind Bart sure wasn't a theologian and maybe didn't even understand the implications of what he was saying, but this is what he thought about Jesus. Uh, someone once asked Helen Keller, uh, isn't it terrible to be blind? To which she responded, and again, you've got the quote in front of you, better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing. Maybe one of the, the benefits of being blind is having time to think. And he thought enough of Jesus to have this high view of who Jesus is. And that opened Bartimaeus up to the person of God in a relationship with God the Father. Another thing that's pretty obvious about old blind Bart here is that, and this is again on your outline, he was persistent. He was persistent. He shouted over and over again, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
It's just like earlier in this chapter, look back at verse 15 in chapter 10, that Jesus had said, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And so this is what Bartimaeus was doing. He was exercising childlike faith. And what this means is humility. That's what childlike faith is. It's humbling ourselves. It's not the good work of humility at all. But it is, it is responding to God in such a way that we are responding by faith alone to God's grace. They just trust completely. That's what a child does. That's what Bartimaeus was doing. He was trusting God completely. And so the urgency and the persistence that Bartimaeus had here was, should be a reflection of what's in our hearts. How persistent are you before God when you have a prayer request of continuing to bring that prayer request before God and being persistent in it, not stopping? To go back to the Beatitudes again, Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And so is that urgency, is that longing, that hunger in your heart, that thirst in your heart for more of God, for for more of Christ. Paul, who arguably knew Jesus better than any of us, said, he prayed in Philippians 3.10, that I might know him, that I might know him more deeply and more intimately and become more, more deeply and intimately acquainted with him and who he is and the wonders of his person. Bartimaeus was trying to shout above the crowd and Jesus heard him. And yes, he was persistent. But let me underline this too, that all the persistence in the world, all the crying in the world, all the running after in the world wouldn't help one bit if Jesus isn't full of mercy. And Jesus is full of mercy. And the next thing we see, number two on the outline, is Jesus' call and Bartimaeus' response. So Mark says in verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. And what we need to keep in mind here is that Jesus is on his way to the cross. He's 18 miles away from his final destination, Jerusalem. And yet he has time to stop and to interact and ultimately heal this poor beggar. Someone who's no one socially. Someone who's no one economically. And what an amazing window we have here to the heart of Jesus. He is a God of mercy. And now in heaven, Jesus hears our praises and, and he's, he's alert to our cries to him. Even when a million of us beggars cry to him at the same time, he hears us all. He's God. And so, are are you hurting? For whatever reason this morning, are you hurting? Do you feel helpless in some area of your life? This is a reminder to you that your request will be heard by God. We're all poor beggars like Bartimaeus. And he hears our cries. Never think that God is too busy or too distant to listen to you. 
and your cries for help. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. It says in 1 Peter 5, 7. Is it in your marriage where there's a need? In a relationship? Maybe in your parenting? Maybe in your relationship with your parents? Maybe in physical challenges that you're facing right now? Maybe in the details of your day that are frustrating and get you down? All of your cares can be cast on the Father because he cares for you. God's mercy is beyond forgiveness. God's being merciful basically means that we deserve punishment. And so God doesn't punishment doesn't punish us and even beyond that blesses us. He gives things to us that we weren't expecting and that we don't deserve. Mark gives us this account, you've got this on your outline, of Jesus on the way to Jerusalem to remind you that he stops on his way to care for one lowly individual. Wow. I love that. The heart's cry of need before the Father is sweeter than all of the alleluias of the crowd for you just to talk to God. You know, even if you know the problems of your children, you love it when they come to you and talk about their problems. Even when you have an answer, if you don't, it doesn't matter. You just want the communication. And that's what God wants from you. So are you spending time on a daily basis communicating with him? Not just through the day, but a time set aside where you focus on talking with God. That's what he wants from you, his children. He wants you to be able to talk with him, to commune with him. And so are you hurting? Do you feel helpless? If so, understand that your plea is music to his ears. He loves to hear your plea for help. And you know what's music to God's ears? Our songs of praise, our prayers of worship and praise, our prayers of confession, our prayers of thanksgiving are like a sweet smelling sacrifice to God. He doesn't want incense anymore. He wants our prayers. He wants us to talk with him and commune with him. And as we approach God's throne of grace with confidence, we know that we will receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need as it says in Hebrews chapter four. And then look at verses 49 and 50. Jesus said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. And as soon as Bartimaeus heard this, he stopped crying, stood up. I'm sure being blind, he had to have help making his way to Jesus, but that's exactly what he did. And then it continues, throwing his cloak aside so think about this. It's the one possession he had, maybe a cane. But that, other than that, his cloak was what he had. And he left it behind. And I think that's significant. And he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. And when it says he threw his cloak aside, there's, the, the, the significance is that, that, would, that his cloak would be his raincoat. His cloak was what would, what protect, what would, is what would keep him warm. 
His cloak was like his sleeping bag. His, his cloak was, would, what would, would, would be like his an umbrella that protected him from the sun. It was like the perfect REI garment that you'd pay big money for. It did everything for him. But what does he do? He leaves it to go to Jesus. It's like he's leaving his home and his warmth and even his ability to live. He leaves it all behind to make his way to Jesus. I'm sure people helped him find his way there to Jesus. And so he risks it all, everything, even his reputation, when they told him to stop shouting, to go to Jesus. Can you imagine the joy of this man? Just think about the joy he had. He didn't know if Jesus would heal him or not, but just the prospect of it, just the possibility of it was staggering for him. It was overwhelming for him. And so it's almost like the, you know, it's like, so you're saying there's a chance. I'm going to go for it. And if his heart was pounding in anticipation, can you imagine it when Jesus touched him? And so you've got this on the outline. This is the kind of heart to have when we come to Jesus. It's a heart of anticipation. Do you anticipate that he's going to answer your prayer? Do you anticipate that you're going to be obedient when you read his word? When Jesus stops, you know things are going to change and they're going to change radically. What a beautiful moment in scripture this is. And Jesus asks this poor, unremarkable man to come to him. And you see Jesus standing face to face with this blind man. And Jesus, who was at, in the beginning with God at creation. And he looks into the face of this blind man and he sees the brokenness of his creation and why he came. And he sees the, the horrible effects of the fall in this man in Bartimaeus. There was a day on earth when there was no blindness and no sickness and no suffering. That wasn't the day. But this is why Jesus came. He came to make all things new. That's exactly why what we sing at Christmas in joy to the world. Joy to the world. He has come to make his blessings known far as the curse is found. And the curse was found in the life of Bartimaeus, in our lives. And so Jesus' mercy is what levels the playing field. Because at the cross, everything is level. In God's kingdom, you've got this on your outline, all race and gender and power and money and appearance are nothing, nothing. That's how it works in the kingdom economy. Bartimaeus is as welcome before Jesus as Herod would be. Jesus doesn't look at people like we do. He looks and he sees our hearts. He sees our motives. No matter who we are, we have such a hard time getting beyond appearance and getting beyond power and politics and education and wealth. But now look at the exchange in verse 51. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. And this is the second time we've heard this. And this is what, what James and John were asking was special seats in the kingdom. They were not seeking mercy. 
Bartimaeus knows he has no hope but Christ. And Jesus had Bartimaeus articulate his desire. And Bartimaeus knew exactly what he wanted. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus essentially says to him, go your way. You have done the one thing that I require. You've come to me in faith and now you're whole. I heard about a man who had an operation later in life. He'd been blind all of his life, some meticulous operation that allowed him to see. And, and he, he was asked, describe what it's like to see for the first time. And, and the person asking him said, you know, I got all the normal responses that the colors were so vivid and, and, and just so bright and, and everything was, uh, he said he loved to look at the faces of his loved ones. But this person interviewing him wanted to know something different. And he said, so what was something that you didn't expect? And, and here's what the man said. He said, um, and he said, you know, maybe you'd say, well, a sunset was overwhelming or the, the, whatever it, would, it, it was. But here's what he, he said. He said, I know that leaves fall. I know that people rake them and put them in piles and throw them away. But I'd always imagined that the leaves would come down just like a blanket, I didn't know that when leaves fall, they pitch and glide and turn in the wind as they come down to the ground. It's beautiful. Just imagine what it was like for Bartimaeus to see the hills around him, to see uh, all these things, but the first thing he saw was the face of Jesus. No surgery, no bandages, boom, he can see. He saw the crowd, he saw all of these things, but, but we can't lose sight of this and that is that this account isn't about Bartimaeus primarily. It's about Jesus. It's about his faith in Jesus. Some commentators believe that the reason Bartimaeus' name is used where others uh, are not used is because he became a leader in the early church. And he was well known. It does say he followed Jesus. Look at verse 52. Immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. So Bartimaeus not only got his sight back, but he recovered a new life. He, he had a new purpose. He followed Christ. He, he, he became a citizen of the kingdom of God. And, and it wouldn't be long after that that if he continued to follow Jesus, and we have no reason to think he didn't, that the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, he saw that. He saw the crucifixion. He saw the resurrection. Talk about an eyeful. Bartimaeus got it. So, so what do we learn from this story? Well, I can say that this is what Jesus is saying to you. If you don't know Jesus, he's saying the same thing he does in verse 49. Cheer up. On your feet. He's calling you. That's what he's doing to you. He's calling you to him. Jesus wants you to know him. And all you have to pray is, Lord, Thank you for dying for my sin. Give me eternal life and with you abundant life right now. And if you're a Christian, but your focus has not been on Jesus, you've not been seeking first the kingdom of God in your life, he says the same thing to you. He says, on your feet, come to me, cheer up. He's calling you to come to him. And like Bartimaeus, we all have something going on. Maybe it's not a physical issue like it was for Bartimaeus. Maybe it is. But if there's something getting in your way of being the disciple that God has called you to be, 
Whatever it is, God's, remember, God's goal for you is to mature. God's goal for you is to become a servant like Jesus is. But some Christians are stuck in a perpetual spiritual infancy. They remain in spiritual diapers and booties, and they've got a thing they're sucking in their mouth. And, and they remain baby Christians forever. You must want to grow. You must decide to grow in your faith. You must make an effort to grow in your faith. And you have to persist in growing. Have you made that intentional commitment? And maybe you've made it initially, but are you continuing to make it on a day-by-day basis before him? Bartimaeus was healed, but he got way more than that. He, He got his sight, but he got somebody that he could follow, that he could obey, that became his Lord and his Savior. He didn't have the wealth of the rich young ruler to weigh him down. He left his cloak behind and followed Jesus. So imagine here how you would feel if you were Bartimaeus. You're sitting down and he comes and he calls you and you leave everything to follow him. You don't look back at what you had. You're willing to leave it all behind for the freedom that he gives, for the salvation that he brings, to follow Jesus no matter what, wherever he goes next. And like Bartimaeus, we have nothing to offer God for our salvation. Our hope is in this truth that the Messiah stops and he calls us and he touches us and he makes us whole. My prayer is that you don't just let this go today, but I I, I hope you'll talk with someone that maybe that you came with about what you've heard this morning about Bartimaeus and how you can make his story part of your life as you seek after the mercy of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful, hope-giving and encouraging passage. Thank you that it, it reminds us that your power plus your compassion equals everything we need. Thank you for your tender mercy. Thank you that you are not a respecter of persons. Thank you that you never receive our cries as an interruption. And the Psalms say that your eyes scan your people and your ears are attentive to their cries. Oh Lord, may we run to you to find mercy to help us in our time of need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, as always, before you leave, I want to encourage you to introduce yourself to a couple of people around you. And uh, just taking up on the announcement that Zach made earlier, if you're interested in a new group of of, uh, of teaching fellowship on Sunday mornings that will, starting next week, follow this service, uh, then Dave Redlings and Dan Castles will be at a table out there so you can stop by and talk to them about it. Well, now may the God of peace equip you with all you need for doing his will. And may he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.